Welcome everyone to Celtic Preacher Podcast 48. Just because you are in challenging circumstances doesn't mean that you're in the wrong place or the wrong job or the wrong family or the wrong marriage or the wrong partnership. That's where we're headed today. Because sometimes we conclude that if life is, if it's not going the way we hoped or planned, then we must be doing something wrong. Maybe we took a wrong turn or made a wrong decision. Well, Paul and Silas, two of the leaders of the early church, would say, no, that's not our experience at all. You can be absolutely in the right place. You can be absolutely on track and still have a lot of opposition. So today, lessons from the book of the Acts. So that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the Acts. You know, Luke was the one who wrote, of course, the the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, meaning the good news according to Luke. What's the good news, Luke? The good news is, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the way. Let me tell you about his wisdom. He wrote all about the life of Jesus in the, in the book of uh, Luke. And then part two, he picks up part two of the story in the book of Acts, which is after Jesus left the disciples physically, wasn't going to be with them in the same way after the resurrection. This is all about the adventures, really, of these first followers of the way of Jesus. So this morning, we're going to pick it up in, in Acts 16, chapter 16, if you want to read the whole story at home. Paul and Silas, we find, they are in prison, which, by the way, wasn't unusual for these first followers of Christ 2,000 years ago. Persecution was common, it was severe, and they were persecuted for many reasons. Um, One thing is that they refused to sacrifice or worship, sacrifice to the Roman emperor. And so they were seen as a threat. Uh, they They were independent thinking. Let's just say, independent thinking wasn't valued by the ancient Romans. Right? The ancient Romans were, look, you have to adhere to our rules, our gods, our pantheon of gods, our Caesar, who is, just call him the son of God for short. That's the way you control people, right? You make sure that they have to believe a certain way, think a certain way. So the Caesars had no time for the people of the way. Sometimes they were seen as an economic threat. I mean, all this talk about one way, the true God, well, that's going to put all the idol makers out of business. And in fact, in this particular passage, um, it's an economic threat that put Paul and Silas in jail, stocks on their feet, they had been arrested for healing a slave girl. And briefly, the the story is, the text tells us that the owners of this slave girl used her 
to predict future. So she had some sort of psychic ability to predict uh, futures, the, the for fortunes of other people. She's a slave, so she's held captive. And this particular fortune teller, slave girl, followed Paul and Silas around day after day after day, repeating these words. She would say in verse 17, these men are servants of the Most High and are telling you the way to be saved. And then she say again, these men are servants of the Most High and they're telling you the way to be saved. These men are, obviously there's some sort of instability here, right? Because this goes on day after day after day after day. She follows them around. Paul and Silas are traveling around and they're taking opportunities to speak to people about the way. One day Paul gets irritated, verse 18, and he turns around and he says to her, I order you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And the result is the slave girl is, is free and she can't make money anymore for her owners, right? So now, obviously, that language, that reminds us of exorcism, doesn't it? And uh, this is possibly the verse, the, this is possibly the kind of verse that you would, if you were reading it at home, you'd kind of just skip over it and you'd think, hmm, that's kind of weird. I don't know what to do with that. I, that's, that's, I don't know about that. But let me just pause here for a minute here and use some other language because I think that this is, is a common thing. Here's another way of saying a similar thing. Paul encounters a business that's fueled by someone's brokenness. Right? Some, some men own this slave girl and they use her to use her gift to predict uh, fortunes of other people and take the money. Someone's being exploited and someone's making money keeping someone exploited. How common is this? How common is this? Yeah, it's not so unusual. Paul steps in, he interferes, he names it really, he interferes and he ends up in jail because the owners of the slave have him arrested. So there he is, he's in jail. Now, you would think that if you were Paul and Silas, two of the early leaders of the church, you, you would think that if you were, <laughs> I mean, these were the first missionaries, right? So they're men on a mission. The mission is, at its simplest, they're saying, we have got to tell people about the way of Jesus. Because this is a life changer. This is such good news. This has is, this is made such a difference. Let's travel around and tell whoever will listen. Now you would think if that was your goal, seeking God day after day, listening to God, attending to your spiritual life, you would think in some ways your life would be, I don't know, what, more peaceful, less anxious? Well, in some ways it's true because they, they're peace-filled in the sense that they know that they're on track and they're being true to themselves and they're being true to God. But they certainly didn't have trouble-free lives. Certainly not. When we look at the lives of the early 
believers, when we look at the men and women, we look at men like Paul and Silas. Oh, no. Actually, in some ways, they were quite different from us because they don't even expect that life will be easy and trouble-free. They don't expect it. By the way, this whole idea of having a, a happy life, um, that's relatively new in world history. I think that whole notion came about in the 18th century. Up to that point in time, people didn't even expect to have happy lives. I mean, life was filled with, and this is Western civilization, life was just filled uh, with much suffering. People, it wasn't even in the consciousness of people to expect a happy, carefree life, you know, and have more than enough and vacations and homes and cars and money in the bank and extra and the right to be happy. And I mean, that's a relatively new thing in world history. I mean, even if you go back to the Great Depression, you know, 1920s, 20, say 1929, 39, nobody expected happiness. No, that's new. Paul and Silas did not expect to be happy but what they did have was they had a deep inner joy they had joy and I'm going to suggest that joy is a choice a response to whatever life brings as we see from this I'm going to this is where I'm headed with this I'm going to suggest that the text tells us that Paul and Silas, they, they were filled with peace and they had great joy. And I'm thinking, well, how in the world can they be filled with peace and great joy when they're stuck in prison? How can that be? They're stuck in prison. And one of the most unusual responses to hardship I've read about in Scripture happens around midnight. There they are in prison, in the stocks, chained, and they break out into song at midnight. While they're in prison, their feet securely, firmly in the stocks, not knowing if they'll even be alive tomorrow, they start to sing at midnight. How in the world can you do that? What, is, what, what can we learn from these first people of the way? Singing at midnight in the dark in a jail. And you know, what's fascinating to me is, is that Paul and Silas have been led to this specific city. And the reason that that is interesting to me is because, again, just because life becomes challenging doesn't mean you're in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. Yeah, just because you're, you're, it's challenging doesn't necessarily mean you're doing the wrong thing. Let me just give you a, a, a briefly the background. The background to this is they're on this missionary trip, right? Their mission is they want to tell people about the difference that Christ makes. They start off, they're in present-day Turkey. If you go back a couple chapters, they're in present-day Turkey, and they're journeying to, they're going through all the seaport towns in the Mediterranean area. And the passage tells us that they try to go east 
but they were faced with a closed door. What does that mean? Well, it just didn't work out. Somehow, they're trying to go east. I mean, we know what like that is, right? You have an idea and you want to do something and it's like, oh, it's not going to work. I can't do it. I can't make it happen. So they, they try the west. And they have another closed door, the passage tells us. So the only way left was this north-easterly direction which led them to this city of Philippi. And again, I wanted to mention the background to you because there's this helpful spiritual principle in all of this. Paul is doing the right thing. He is following, he's following the leading of God. He's following what they would say in those days, the scripture says, he's following the leading of the spirit. But he still ends up in prison. Right? He, he still ends up in a hard place. So perhaps a more helpful way to reframe this is, again, just because you're in challenging circumstances doesn't mean that you're in the wrong place. Yeah, so there's a call out to any pastors who are in difficult calls but not just pastors I mean I really think this is anyone you could be in a, in a marriage that you're wondering should I stay should I go uh, you, sh- you could be in a job you could have mixed I don't know should I I think I'm supposed to be here I think I'm doing the right thing but it's it's really hard yeah just because it's hard just because it's hard doesn't mean to say it's the wrong place following God which looks like being true to yourself, your calling, doesn't necessarily lead you to places and circumstances that are trouble-free. And I think that can be very comforting when we're pushed and when we're challenged by a life because we can be, you know, we're, we're, we're okay, we're, do, we're doing the right thing. You're in the right place, whether it's physically the right place or geographically the right place, or mentally the right place, spiritually, internally the right place. The easy, carefree life is not something that the early followers were familiar with, nor did they expect it. They didn't even expect it. You know, there's many ways we can respond to challenges. You know, we can become despondent and depressed. We can become fearful and anxious. Or we can get angry and irritated. It's not fair. How come my life is like this? How come it worked out this way for me? And they've got all what they need and I don't have enough. Or, or you know, we can, we can be like Paul and Silas. And allow God to, to give us an entirely new perspective on obstacles on blocks, on confinements of various kinds. Well, Paul and Silas respond to hostility and apparent failure in a most unusual way. They sing at midnight. Now, I was thinking about this idea of singing at midnight. I think that this is a particular type of singing, and it's got nothing to do with singing in tune. Right? People 
It's too bad. People don't sing because somebody at one time said, that doesn't sound good, or you're flat, or you don't sing in tune. And, you know, it's too bad because singing is a powerful spiritual tool. It's a powerful thing. Paul and Silas, they're singing. They're singing, they sing to center themselves. They sing to remind themselves that God is good and we're safe in God's hands and it doesn't matter what happens, we're safe. You know, on Thursdays, on Thursday afternoon, I always go over to the church sanctuary and go over the the music for Sunday. And I'm not always in the mood, right, to sing. I'm not always... I'm not always interested, necessarily. But I'll tell you, this never fails. No matter what kind of mood I go in with, if I'm sad, if I'm worried about something, if I'm annoyed about something, when I get in that sanctuary and I start to play and I start to sing and we start to go over all the music, by the end of two hours, I am in a completely different place. And it's the power It's the power of music, singing, you know. And again, this has nothing to do with singing on tune or having a good voice. This is just about using your your voice and your lungs and singing out and getting your butt, whatever's inside, getting it outside. Singing is the last thing most people want to do when they're held captive. But somehow... Paul and Silas, those first followers, they manage to push through fear and they choose to to sing. That's not an easy thing to do, to push through fear and sing. But I, wow, that is not easy. Joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. Because they they are choosing to trust. And they sing at midnight. Music, powerful spiritual tool. In fact, even science has told us this already. These things we know. Music changes the heart rate. It improves our disposition. All the endorphins are released. It unlocks the body. It unlocks the body. And all the traumas of the body frees us up. All you who do yoga and Reiki and healing touch, you'll know this. All our traumas, all these hurts and pains in her body, well, the voice, music, that's one of the tools. And Paul and Silas are singing, and while they're singing, they experience an earthquake, and it's a big one, because all the prisoners' chains fall off, and the guard is distraught. Now, remember, in those days, the punishment for losing prisoners is you're You will die. If you are the guard and you lose your prisoners, you will die. So there he is, the guard. He sees what happens. It's pitch black. He knows that the chains have fallen off. He pulls out his sword. He's ready to kill himself. Verse 28. And Paul intervenes and says, wait, 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 wait. We're still here. We're still here. We're not going anywhere. You can put your sword away. We're not going to... Verse 29, the jailer calls for lights, and he's trembling. It's like, what must I do to be saved? It's like he's saying, help me. 
Help me. What must I do to be saved? Help me. It's like, what do these, what do these men have? How can you live this way? How can, what do they have? You ever met someone with an aliveness about them that you just want to be with them? And you want what they have? Now, what is this life, this energy, this joy? Can I, can I learn how to be this way? Can I learn how to choose joy at midnight? Can I sing at midnight? Is that even possible? What, what must I do to be saved? Help me, he's saying, the guard. It's like, how, where are they drawing on this extra stuff? What, what is this extra strength these men have? Spirit strength. In fact, it's Paul in one of his other uh, writings. It's Paul when he writes his church in Ephesus. He's, he says to his, his students at church, he says, be, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. It's like, yeah, you have to learn how to draw in this life force. You know, these men are really in the flow. How can you even describe that place? They're in the zone. They're focused. They're God-centered. They're life-centered. It's a a joy-filled place, as opposed to fear-centered, as opposed to ego-centered, right? Isn't it? Be filled with the Spirit, Paul Paul says to his people. No, it's like, you're not in this alone. It's not all up to you. Paul and Silas, it wasn't just us. We don't have to figure this out by ourselves. You know, the Spirit helps us, breath. The Spirit's with us. Oh, you know, somebody's going to, someone always asks, how do I know if I have the Spirit? Well, are you breathing? Are you breathing? That's the word, pneuma, New Testament, breath. If you're breathing, you have the Spirit. Yeah, with us, God with us, Emmanuel. Remember the uh, Christmas story, Emmanuel, God with us. Guiding, helping, helping us choose joy. Helping us to not give in to fear. What What an amazing thing. This wondrous, wondrous, glorious spirit. Is there a place where you feel captive and in the dark like like Paul and Silas? Can you relate to them? Yeah, we can, right? Because this is our experience of life. Sometimes we, we, we feel like we're in the dark. Is there a place, a challenge, a situation where you think, well, there's just no way out of this. I'll never be able to fix this. Yeah, we can relate to this. It's like, I wonder what would happen if we began to sing at midnight. In other words, I wonder what would happen if we started to, to, to choose joy. Yeah, there's the prayer. There's the heart cry. God, let me sing at midnight. Help me to choose joy. Help me to choose joy. I'm, I, I'm choosing life. I want, to, I want to choose life. For as long as I'm here, for as long as I'm breathing, let me live. Let me live, knowing that you're with me and the spirit of joy and life and power indwelling me. Let the shackles fall off that I might remember that I'm free. 
Yeah. Paul and Silas reminds us that we have a lot more power than we think we have. What an amazing thing. What an amazing God. What an amazing spirit. Well, thank you for joining me as we look at the life of the first followers of the way. And next week, we're going to be talking more about the spirit because it's Pentecost. Join with me again next week for another episode.